We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Devin Wade with you, and welcome to another Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. What a great opportunity to come to you guys. I hope all is well. We are going to have a great show in light of the fact that there are no more sports going on right now. It's sports apocalypse. It's coronavirus apocalypse, and we'll have to get through it together. But we have a great show lined up for you guys. So thank you so much for checking out the podcast. And for a lot of folks, you don't have many other avenues to hear anything pertaining to sports. You'll see a lot of replays and reruns, but not a lot of content out there because sports have been sort of halted in this country like a lot of portions of society. Society. It is a difficult, difficult time. First and foremost, I want to send out love, prayers, and positive thoughts to everybody out there because this is a tough time, and it can wear on your psyche if you uh, if you let it. Uh, but we have to maintain a, a positive attitude and get through this thing, which will be very tough, not only uh, physically for some folks who get ill, but uh, economically for just about all of us will be touched in some shape, form, or fashion. In addition to that, man, uh, we have a great conversation with Dr. Charles McClellan, the commissioner of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. He uh, will talk to us about what's going on, what happened with the tournament, what decision making uh, went into it, the ramifications of that for the SWAC and for college basketball, college sports. So uh, I'm sure it'll be a great conversation where we can get into a number of very important things uh, pertaining to uh, the cancellation of March Madness and, of course, uh, the cancellation of the SWAC tournament in Birmingham uh, after the first round had gotten underway. So with that, before I get started with the headlines, I do want to get into reminding you guys. Go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. That's WadesWordProductions.com and subscribe to the email list. And periodically we will send you emails about what's going on with us. Although this is a sports podcast, I have a little bit of breaking news for you on that tip. I don't know if it's breaking news, but we'll uh, we'll talk our way through that. But go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. And remember, you can call us 24 hours a day on the sports line at 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And you can find us on social media. And uh, that's at WadesWord on Twitter. And, of course, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. So all of those ways are ways to reach out and hang out with your boy and the crew. With that, let's get into some headlines. In headlines, there are no headlines because there's no sports. This is uh, the week that sports died. Can you believe it? It's unbelievable. No sporting events, uh, save the uh, MMA having one event left in Brazil without fans. Uh, and as tempted as I am to purchase that, I will not. I will resist. Uh, we're at the beginning of this uh, traumatic period, not the end. And again, I understand that people are suffering 
mightily all over the country, economically and physically in, in many cases. But if you come to it just from in this vacuum and this bubble of sports, it's a really, really bad time. And I think it makes us reexamine the importance, especially economically. And we'll find out after a couple of weeks, uh, sort of socially to the psyche of the United States, how important sports are. Maybe we'll view them in a different lens and with a little bit more appreciation or handle them in a different way, understanding their importance. Because people are going to go stir crazy, locked up as we're sort of quarantined. But as unfathomable as this is, it was foreseeable. We are not doing what we need to do to protect Earth. And these things are starting to happen. And it's the arrogance of humanity to believe, oh, no, this can't happen again. Time after time, time, we see new things happening or things repeat themselves and that people previously thought nothing like this would ever happen. And we're seeing it. And, and I think this is maybe a precursor. And I'm not trying to scare anybody, but it may be a precursor to something massive with global warming that will affect humanity in ways we can't even imagine. Can you imagine if a city suddenly goes underwater? I'm, I'm, and I'm talking about some city in the South Pacific that we, you know, that is habitated by, you know, 10 people. I'm talking about a major U.S. city. Can you imagine it? I mean, everything's on the table. And, and we, we're starting to see this because we're not taking care of Earth. Now, one of the theories behind uh, this coronavirus taking off the way it did is because they believe that uh, in these Chinese markets, they went out into environments that were previously sort of isolated environmentally. And we're going in and we're bringing in animals and bacteria from those animals into these wet markets in China. And the, the bacteria, uh, they, they conjugate it. It, it. The process of conjugation, transformation or transduction took place through uh, bacteria reproduction by binary fission. So that's what Wikipedia will do to you on a Saturday without sports. I looked that up. So that's that's what happened. They think that uh, bacteria from one well, unfamiliar bacteria came into a wet market and through binary fission and what is that? What I say conjugation transformation. Uh, it created a, 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 a hybrid, and this hybrid uh, leaked into humans, and humans leaped on a plane, a number of planes, and here we go, world pandemic, just like that. But and again, there are a lot of people you can blame here in the United States, and I'm sure we will. We've, we've started already and there are a lot of layers to this. But right now, the important thing is that we protect ourselves and uh, social separation, uh, social distancing and and all of these things have come into the vernacular. And we are learning a new way to live. Uh, at least for the next couple of weeks and maybe beyond, it's a very scary time and not the least of which uh, for folks in the world of sports because, again, it's such a part of, of uh, the economy and people will be out of work. And you're talking about, I mean, just for me personally, a lot of guys I know in sports media may be out of work here soon. They have families. They have tuition. They have, they're paying for braces. They have insurance. These things are real and they go on. But in the vacuum, and if you just want to look at it in the world of sports, it's been an amazing, unbelievable week. And uh, later on, we talked to Dr. Charles McClellan about that because it's just, you, you, I don't know what else to say. But I do know this. First and foremost, I want to take your comments. 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. But I will say this. As for this podcast... And I'll, I've addressed this in the We the People segment. 
and, and I'll get into that in just a moment, but we will press on. This is an opportunity because now I get to talk about things on the not just Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. <laughs> For the foreseeable, that's what it's going to look like. The not just Sports Talk podcast. Because I just, what else can you do? And it gives me an opportunity to interview and explore uh, areas that I probably would not have otherwise on a podcast. So this is what I'm going to do. I am going to reach out to people that I find interesting in various parts of my life. And I'm going to interview those folks for the Not Just Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. If you have a suggestion, call me, 832-941-6614, or leave a message telling me exactly what or whom you think I should talk to or talk about. But again, this is a tough week. It's a tough, tough time. I have very few answers. I didn't think that this would transpire the way that it did. But, uh, you know, once the NBA went down, once Rudy Gobert got it, and the NBA said, nope, right away, it's over tonight. Mid-game, mid-bounce, it's over tonight. Once that happened, and we'll be talking about this, uh, people will be writing about this for generations. If this is in isolation, if this is the first, if this is the tipping point to something greater than the way humanity as we know it uh, will be different. So that w- it won't even be an issue. But if we come out of this, like I think we will, People will be writing about this in this time. And that's why it's important that even if I say stuff that I know you all know, because we're living this together, we'll be able to look back on this podcast and feel what we felt. If you talk about the the collective feeling of everybody I've come into contact with, I don't think it's totally panic. What I do think is that there is a uncertainty there and a cautiousness that has awakened something in us to say, wait a minute, this is something we need to pay attention to. We'll see how long that lasts. Maybe a week, maybe two weeks. We'll have to see how it goes. Here's the the biggest issue. The biggest issue is I really believe people just don't trust the folks in charge to tell us the truth. Now that goes back to 2016. When people said, try to tell y'all, not maybe not y'all because probably none of them are listening, but people tried to say, this is a dangerous guy to elect. You can't trust this guy. And it's cool if he's lying about black people or, or the wall border wall and who's going to pay for it. Oh, that's fine. We can get over that. But now it's something that we have to have the truth. I need the truth. Damn it. And yes, we have to be able to handle the truth. And I think that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from. You see people who are seemingly incompetent, Ben Carson, we'll talk about him on another episode. You see Mike Pence, who is just so busy. I don't even know how to describe what he's doing to Donald Trump. His praise is so unwarranted. It's so profuse and so unwarranted when clearly we have not been getting the right messages. We, I think collectively we almost want the president out of the way. Just, just you step to the side. Let's talk to the medical experts. You trying to salvage the the stock market, man, there are people dying and people who don't want to die or get sick. People with parents, elderly parents, grandparents, and you worrying about money. And I, I, I get it on some level, but you, you can't, that's not your position to take. There are plenty of folks on wall street that can take that position and worry about 
positive messaging. We need the truth. We need leadership. And then when we need it, it's not here. And it leads to politically, political uncertainty going into November. Now, I know you didn't tune in for any of this, but I had to get it out there. So with that, going to go to a segment that we call We the People. Time for We the People. For the We the People segment, I check in with you guys, whether it's on the sports line at 832-941-6614 or on Facebook or any other way you guys, on Twitter, however you guys choose to communicate with me and let me know how you feel about certain things. But I, I put it out there and I tag a couple people, hey, want to get your take on this, that, or the other. And, uh, you know, a lot has happened. We were supposed to have a show between the last show and this one. So there were calls. And it's interesting when I go back and I hear check the sports line and see what people had called as this thing has started to progress so let's uh let's go and and check out what you guys had to say on the phone calls hey devin this is el man I, now now that i'm calling in it's march 11 around 9 p.m and uh we just got news that the nba is going to suspend the games for a while um and i was actually just about to call in uh i'm a medical student at texas tech and kind of give how the coronavirus has affected me and kind of relate to how it would affect sports. But I guess at this point in time, I can kind of uh, talk about how it is affecting sports. Um, first off, uh, my school has suspended all business travel until April 30th. And I guess they'll reevaluate the situation after that. But I had a conference I was supposed to go to in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, April 8th. So now I'm out of a $300 plane ticket, a $200 hotel, not to mention a $300 conference fee that I was willing to pay because I was hoping it would help me get a job later on in the future. And just and all that just to say, you know, from the perspective of a fan with not a lot of funds, I'm not paying for tickets ahead of time, whether it be game tickets, plane tickets, or hotel tickets, when I'm not even sure if this game is going to get canceled um, like we can see now, games are starting to, you know, as you mentioned, the rodeo's canceled. And, you know, even if you can get a refund for the actual game itself, that doesn't include all the extra expenses that kind of go around and asking time off of work and all of that. So I can definitely see, even if the NBA didn't suspend games, which they have, like the just the fan participation going down and just the revenue definitely being affected for people who are scared. And as we can see with from what I've seen on the internet, you know, it, it seems that uh, I believe Rudy Gobert is the one who they found to have uh, coronavirus. But, I mean, it, it could have been anybody. The the Right now, the CDC recommends 14-day quarantine after somebody tests positive or even was tracked back to being in a high-risk area. Uh, right now, the highest is level threes, which is like China, Iran, Italy, but there's just so many players from around the world, you know, just to play these games, you have to travel and especially, you know, like you mentioned, March Madness is coming up. Spring break is coming up. You know, they asked all the students to, not that they have to ask for permission at this point to uh, travel, but they did want us to report anytime we were to travel and they didn't really specify what travel means. Does that mean going 30 minutes down the road? Does that mean going out of town or, you know, whatever, but they did say they want to know about any travel we've done just so that I guess they can backtrack and see if we were in one of those high risk areas. 
and just me by nature, I'm a little wary of anybody keeping track of me in the first place. But I just feel like, you know, as some of these places start to develop uh, more cases and, you know, we, we don't know at this point which place that would be. There's just no way I see March Madness happening with uh, all these kids traveling and, you know, who knows what they'll find. And, you know, if they backtrack, if they've been to one of these areas. But, yeah. I mean, just right now, it seems like things are going to get worse before they get better, as it always is. Uh, right now, uh, a lot a lot of the doctors that I've spoken with have said it's probably going to take about a year to come up with a good vaccine or, you know, maybe even a treatment. But I do think that everybody is working on something like that and trying to get it out as soon as possible, you know, for better or worse, at the very least, for greed, if whoever gets this out first is, you know, they're going to be, find themselves with a lot of prestige and probably a, a lot of money because it's really uh, scaring a lot of people and, you know, rightfully so. And, you know, maybe they even get a Nobel Prize out of it. So, you know, for better or worse, maybe that'll motivate somebody to get this treatment out sooner. Yeah, man, that's my take. Thanks, EL, for the phone call. And, you know, as I listened to that and that happened in real time and, and you could hear EL kind of talking through some things. And for a lot of people, it's not as traumatic and definitive as 9-11, but this is sort of the things you kind of talk through. And I think to have some of the information he talked about in the phone call is a nice backdrop in addition to sports uh, because you see, hey, you know, travel restrictions and some of the things that he had coming up. Uh, I think, again, these things, are really the reality of how this thing is unfolding in the lives of a lot of people. Let's see who's next. Hey, Devin. It's Elwin Henderson. You know, I I hate it for the fans. I hate it for the teams, especially, you know, teams like Houston and Dallas that are doing well this season and really all of the teams. But I know that the teams don't really want to play in front of no fans. And considering this thing is increasing day by day, you know, I've seen a lot of people saying, Oh, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Flu is a lot worse than this. But I sadly don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg yet. So out of an abundance of caution, I think it probably was the right decision. But I certainly hope that we can get this under control quickly and get everyone's lives back to what they would normally like to be doing. As far as me personally, I have a trip planned to Las Vegas to uh, cover CinemaCon, the uh, movie theater owners convention. And if it does not get canceled, I will be going out there. And that's two weeks from this Saturday. And then I'm also planning to go back three weeks after that for the NFL draft if it doesn't get canceled. So I'm the type of person that I'm going to do the things that I want to do and not changing my life. And if I get it and it gets me, then it was my time to go. It's kind of the way I look at it. But it is sad for the fans and the players in the NBA that this is having to happen. But as I said, out of an abundance of caution, it probably was the right decision. Thanks, Elwin, for the phone call. And I can tell you this, uh, I think a lot, he speaks for a lot of people who, and I think uh, two weeks from now, that will be the prevalent attitude of a lot of people. Like, look, we if this is if it's going to get me, it's going to get me, but we have to resume our lives. I think, uh, and, and uh, the only caveat to that is I hope that people, and I know that Elwin is a, a good guy, so he wouldn't jeopardize other people, but I hope that when people recognize that they're not well, that they do isolate themselves and don't take anybody with him and i know elwin didn't mean that but i think as he said hey we have life to live and you can't 
sit in a cave. I think for now, we're trying to do the prudent thing as a country. And, and I think it's the right thing to do uh, to sort of get everybody uh, side of isolate, socially isolated as much as possible. But again, watch what I tell you in two weeks. Uh, he'll be speaking for the rest of America as people are not going to be very patient for very long if they can't get their lives going and the economy continues to suffer. Let's see what we have next. This is Robert Kelly with Texport Publications here in uh, the Houston area. It is a shame that they have shut down all the sporting events, but they had to do it. The legal liability would have been tremendous if they had gone ahead and played these events. I was at the Southland Conference Tournament last night on Wednesday covering the games, and we got the message that they were going to start them today with only fans, spectators, no fans, I'm sorry, spectators, players, and media. And then this morning, as I was driving to Katie for the game three and game four of the tournament, they said they've been canceled. This is going to affect a lot of a lot of leagues, a lot of kids, a lot of athletes, and uh, it's a sad day for sports. But it was necessary; they have to do it. But as always, you know, athletes are tough, and they will come back. Thank you. Hey, Devin, this is Pernell Harvey. I was calling about you asking for comments about the coronavirus. And I tell you what, I mean, it's just like with the NBA canceling last night, I think that's when it, it, it got real for, uh, for a lot of people, but me in particular, because, I mean, it's just, that's a big deal for them to take in and say, hey, you know what? We're not going to risk the safety of, of people just for, for the sake of the game. And so I think that just showed real leadership on the part of, of Adam Silver. And um, not to be political, but I think somebody in the White House could take a lesson from that. But anyway, always enjoy the show. And I'll take care. Want to thank Robert and Purnell for checking in. When you talk about uh, the player perspective, and that's something that's very important. When you think about the last game for a lot of guys on a lot of different levels, the pro guys are easier to. It's easier to overlook whatever they're going through. They still get paid. They're good. But when you think about college seniors and high school kids, seniors who are trying to get that look, try to get a scholarship. This is the time of year where guys get looks, and that's. I mean, I think that is one of the tragic things about the sports angle of this coronavirus pandemic and so i think uh, that is something to think about and and i think uh when talking about pernell's comments you know the leadership continues to be really really above reproach in a lot of ways by the nba and adam silver another great job to make a rapid decision it was so quick players were on the court warming up they were on the court warming up to play. And he said, no, as soon as they found out, it was no dragging of the feet. There was no hesitation. It was done the moment they confirmed that he was ill. And I think that that served to be uh, the impetus for a lot of leagues just shutting it down right away. It changed to me. It was before the NBA and after the NBA. Locally here, when the rodeo shut down, and you're talking about 2 million people that nearly they're coming to visit that every year. That being shut down was huge here in Houston, but it was before the NBA, and once the NBA shut it down, it was like dominoes, everybody shut it down. Let's see what we have next. Top of the evening to Sports Talk with Devin Braid and all the listeners. I am J.M. Keith calling to chime in on the coronavirus and all things considered sports. Firstly, I'd like to thank you, Devin, for creating a platform of comfort for all sports aficionados, especially the female followers, and creating a place of comfort. Secondly, I never imagined a day of March 12, 2020 would ever happen whereby 
all sports, both U.S. and globally, has been eclipsed. It, it feels like several family members left, said goodbye, didn't say when they were returning. Hopefully, this too shall pass. I was reading that the PGA is thinking about uh, postponing rather than canceling, so maybe there's hope after all. Lastly, I'd like to thank you again for always vibrating high, curating wonderful content for all of us, and maybe some topics for future podcasts could be visiting with greats in our city and everywhere else and just getting a historical perspective of how things were, where are we going in this sports world. Thank you again. You are appreciated. Jam Keith, you are appreciated. We appreciate you so much. She provides so much content on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and the Friday Express group page as well. She is phenomenal. She is always putting information out there for us to digest. So I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited that she called. I didn't think she'd call. And I'm glad that she reached out and uh, started. To, hopefully, this is not the last time she calls. And also, uh, you know, for all the ladies who listen, we, you know, when Biscuit and I started the show, Many years ago on KTSU, it was really, really female, almost dominant. I mean, we had a really nice balance of participation from both males and females. And you just can't, you can't beat that. Because what I've learned over the time I've uh, sat behind a microphone taking phone calls, there are a lot of men that don't know what the hell they're talking about. And there are a lot of women who who really are on point about any number of subjects. So it's not a, a gender bias in any way on our show. Anybody can call. doesn't matter where you be, what your background is, what your interests are. It doesn't matter. We welcome all opinions because that's uh, that's the bottom line. That's the most important thing to be uh, to have a, a way to hear from you guys. Now, I want to do a, an interactive phone. I want to take live phone calls. But we logistically, this is probably the way we're going to go for now. There may be a time where we can meet up every day at 6 o'clock and every, everybody can call in and we can do a live show. We may try something like that at some point. But until then, keep the phone lines uh, ringing. Keep those calls coming. 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. And you know what? You can get political if you want to, especially now. Say whatever is on your mind. And hey, we will we will listen and take stock of it. Now, of course, I'm I have to edit it. I can't put you know anything vile or inflammatory to a certain extent. But if, if you have an opinion, put it out there, and we'll try to work it into the podcast. So Pernell never hesitate to get political. I do it all the time. And by the way, I want you guys to challenge me moving forward. Since there's no sports, give me a call me with anything, and we'll see if we can work it out or find some information. I want to have a conversation about it. I pride myself in my diversity and being able to talk about just about anything. So. You can challenge me on that anytime you like. So with that, going to take a time out, come back on the other side with a conversation with SWAT Commissioner Dr. Charles McClellan. It, uh, I anticipate a great conversation as we uh, delve into uh, the week that was for the SWAC and for the NCAA. Also, we have 
on my award and before i let go first a word from our sponsor and our resident dj dj anarchy this is sports talk with devin wade podcast anywhere you get your podcasts sports talk with devin wade wants to thank our sponsor kofi bankus and cobank homes the vision at cobank homes is simple and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Sports Talk. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome, welcome back to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. want to thank our guy, DJ Anarchy. We heard from my nephew, Caleb, as well. But DJ Anarchy doing his thing. Check him out on SoundCloud, and you can find him on all over social media. And if you are in the greater Houston area, you need to go check this dude out because they uh, they put on some nice uh, gatherings, and I'm going to check them out myself one day uh, after I, I, I've uh, created my social distance, uh, which I've been doing for a while now. But I'll go out and check my boy out. But want to thank him. want to remind you guys, if you have music that you would like submitted and played on this podcast, Hit us up at music at wageswordproductions.com. That's music at wageswordproductions.com. And uh, we will play a snippet at the halfway point and the entire track or an extended portion of a mix at the end of the show. It doesn't matter the genre. We play country, Latin jazz, jazz, uh, gospel. Um, what else? R&B, Southern Soul. We've had several DJs from all over the country, so uh, we don't discriminate. We just like to get our your music out to our listeners so, A, they can enjoy that as a part of the podcast, and B, give you exposure to folks who you would otherwise not have come into contact with. With that, I want to get into an interview we had with Dr. Charles McClellan. And he is a big time friend of the show and he's always been very supportive of me. And, and that's big because again, so it's good to have folks that 
are accomplished, that work hard, that are good people that uh, can give you some advice or be there to support you in doing your thing. And he's always done that. So I want to thank him for that. Uh, and I want to thank him for sitting down. Well, not sitting down. He was doing what he, what he was doing. I, maybe he was sitting down. I don't know. But thank him for the phone interview. And, uh, again, tough time for the swag. Uh, but I certainly appreciate him taking out time. And I think this gives uh, a lot of people a different perspective on uh, what he went through and what the SWAC and the NCAA had to take into account uh, when they made some of the decisions that they've made over the last week. Here is our interview with Dr. Charles McClellan, the SWAC commissioner. We are now visiting with SWAC commissioner Dr. Charles McClellan on what has had to be the most unusual week uh, for uh, for all of us, but especially you, who uh, who was in charge of such a huge, huge event, talking about the SWAC tournament. Talk a little bit about you know your feelings as of now. I mean these thing these things are still playing out, but how are you feeling these days uh, in lieu of all the things that have happened? Well, uh, Devin, I just got rid of all of the alcohol in the house and all of the prescription medication uh, <laughs> because I did not want to have to take them all at once. Uh, and the, uh, I, I say that to say my wife says I'm suicidal right now. Sports, as I've known it, come to a halt. So it's surreal. Uh, my alarm went off this morning. I was supposed to be in New York, and we had some meetings early on. Uh, alarm went off, hit it, then another alarm went off, and as I tried to get up to get out of bed, I realized there was nothing to get up to, so I laid back down, and then I said, that sounds pretty bad. So. But I think that's that's how a lot of us are feeling right now, that, you know, sports is a significant part of our lives. And just to have to go through the last 72 hours or so living this is, is kind of unreal. As everybody has said, it's extremely necessary. Uh, we have to do what's best for the public health. We have to do this now to be able to save future. When I say save future, if we don't take the extreme measures now, this thing could go into football season. So. We've already had to cancel tournaments, so let's do what's supposed to be done now to get this thing out the way so we can get back to somewhat of a normal life, including our sports. Yeah, and I think it's different for those of us who who make money, who have a career, uh, and our careers are based around the world of sports. So it's not just entertainment. It's not just a guy who wants to put his cap to the back and go to the sports bar. These are uh, real responsibilities and jobs, and how for a lot of folks, how they feed their families, and and so uh, and we talk, I talked to a media member earlier. It's a lot of folks in sports media who will be laid off and won't have an opportunity to work for a while. Uh, let's talk about the start of the week. It looked like everything was a go. Everything was good to go. Uh, the first round of the SWAC playoffs got off to a great start on all the campuses. Everything was good. When did you start to worry about uh, how things would transpire in Birmingham? Well, I really wasn't that worried, uh, to be very honest with you, Devin. Uh, like you said, that Thursday, excuse me, those Tuesday games were – Pulled off successfully. Uh, we had Thursday already planned. We were working on getting everybody in. I got to uh, New York on Tuesday. I watched a couple of games online, listened to a couple. Uh, everything went well. There was not a whole lot of buzz, even in the committee room, about the virus, uh, other than you know, we we all whispered just to say, you know, we wonder if we're going to be able to get through this thing. But most of the conversation was really 
tied towards, you know, two and three weeks down the road. You know, is this thing going to spread to where we can't get to Atlanta? And things started changing rapidly on Wednesday, right? I mean, it, it was like uh, Wednesday day. You know, it was like, well, this person has contracted it. This person has contracted it. We were in New York, and there's a town called New Rochelle, and they actually deployed the National Guard. They drew a circle around New Rochelle and said, this is the containment zone. And it really reminded me of some of those movies that we've seen, right? Uh, you know, right. I, first that came to my man, mind was uh, I Am Legend with Will Smith, where they had all of these containment zones, and you couldn't go outside the zone. and you know, all of this social distancing. Uh, there was another show, Contagion, I think, with uh, Matt Damon. You know, all of these things had those eerie similarities. So Wednesday, early on, we started to talk, and then that's when, you know, it came out, the suggestion was made, okay, we're going to play, but we're going to play without fans, uh, just family members. And that kind of spread it throughout the, the nation. And again, keep in mind, all of these people are talking. So all of these conferences are all interconnected. So once one did it, now keep in mind what really set this thing off uh, was uh, the Ivy League on Wednesday basically saying we're canceling everything. And, you know, the prevailing, prevailing feeling was at the time that the Ivy League was kind of, you know, pushing the panic button. But once we got to Wednesday night, you know, it was no family excuse me, no fans, just family and friends. And then Thursday morning, uh, I think it snowballed down because obviously Wednesday night, uh, Rudy Gobert tested positive. And once Rudy Gobert tested positive, the NBA had no choice but to shut it down. And at that point, it was it was inevitable because it hit home. Uh, athlete has it. So if Rudy Gobert can get it, any of us can get it. And I think that's when it started to change from a sporting event, somewhat like we're in a bubble and it doesn't affect us. To now, we're we're possibly could be ground zero, uh, and we could spread this thing not just from a fan's perspective, but from player to player. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. So once we got in the room on Thursday, the majority of our conversation was, "How do we shut this thing down?" And that's ultimately what happened. Well, and, and I was going to ask you specifically, it, had the NBA not had to cancel those games, do you think uh, that the NCAA probably would have proceeded a little bit differently? Because it seemed like that was the alarm that woke America up, and after the NBA did that, everything shut down. Was that the case with, with the, the SWAC tournament and the NCAAs? No, I don't think so. I think ultimately we would have gotten to where we were. I think had the NBA not shut down on Wednesday night, uh, that the tournaments would have continued. I do not think that we would have gotten to today, right? So if it wasn't Thursday when we shut it down, we would have shut it down Friday. If it was not Friday, we definitely would have had to shut it down by today. Because of the spread, because of the information, and because of how this thing went. And I know there was a lot of debate about, you know, commissioners not talking to the NCAA and NBA and NHL and all of these different entities. And when you talk about moving slow, just keep in mind, in 48 hours, we went from full go to nothing. These are some large organizations. These are some large entities. It takes time to make those types of decisions. But ultimately, it was made for the health, safety, and welfare. But 
you know, Devin, I flew to New York. There was nobody on the plane. That was Tuesday. When I flew back, there was nobody on the plane. I had 13 people on my plane. I saw the flight before mine left New York and went to Washington, D.C. There were three people that got on the flight. Wow. You know, I, I told my son, Ashton, get on the road today. Uh, there's a national emergency that's out. So communities now could say, you can't pass through my community. You can't leave. And you now have the ability to deploy the military. You say it won't happen, but New York has already done it. Ashton, get home, uh, using a George Bush term, hunker down, and let's ride this thing out. And that's the right thing to do. So the way that we process information, we can blame the media. The media, the media, the media. I heard that. Well, you have to take these things into reality. And, you know, I give you a hypothetical situation, Devin. Charles McClellan goes... I meet with all 10 athletic directors, right? I have virus. Those 10 athletic directors go meet with their staff. Their staff meet with their staff. They all go home. We all have elderly people at home. And just because I wanted to meet and have a basketball tournament, now I possibly expose two, 3,000 people. It's just not worth it. So let's get home. Let's self-quarantine. Let's get this thing past us so we can get back to doing what we do, and that's making America uh, entertain. And I want to ask you this, and it may be too soon, and I know it's certainly not anything you want to think about, but what is the significant economic impact on the conference? And, and these are, I know these are uncomfortable questions, but, man, it, it that's one of the many things uh, that I thought about. What, what's I mean, I know it takes time to figure these things out, but what just off the surface, what are some of the economic impacts on the, on the conference for not being able to have this tournament? Well, I would say, Devin, about 60% of our budget comes from the NCAA. So if the NCAA lost its one money-making entity, if they don't distribute to the conference, we're going to be in we're going to we're going to be in uh and I won't say trouble because we started to build up reserve, but it's it's going to be significant. You know, a lot of people say the NCAA doesn't take care of the student athlete, but the NCAA only keeps a portion of that money. The remaining of it is distributed. So you're talking about all 10 of our schools, all of our summer school money, maybe not all, the majority of our summer school money comes from the NCAA. A lot of our people in our academic departments, academic enhancement, are employed by NCAA money. So the NCAA distributes a lot of funds that could significantly harm us. That is the reason why you have to have your rainy day fund. But I'm not quite sure if the NCAA has enough rainy day fund to compensate for not getting this revenue. So it's going to be a, a trickle-down trickle effect to all of us. You think about Big Ten SEC. They have their own television contracts. If they don't have their baseball tournaments and softball tournaments, they lose that whole second half. And, again, I don't know what their contracts look like. They could have some clauses or some insurance to combat against this, but they're a power five. There are 32 conferences. So you're talking about five, six, or seven of them might have it. The rest of us don't. So, you know, we don't know. Uh, a lot of our money comes from sponsorship, right? Let's just look at Delta Airlines. I was at the checkout counter, and the lady said that they've lost already 40% of their business, right? And they just begun. So that money comes from? I know that I'm not going to get a Delta sponsorship, right? I know I'm not going to get a Marriott sponsorship. They're going to need their own reserves to be able to make it because nobody's in the hotels, nobody's flying. So we just don't know. We're going to have to be very cautious in spending. 
uh, and we're going to have to just kind of sit and wait. But I promise you this, Southwestern Athletic Conference is going to be just fine. We're going to make sure that we have our wherewithal. So even if we miss a payment or get a payment, we'll be able to make it because we cut back and we're going to make sure that our conference is run efficiently. Now, I know you have been in conversation with the uh, the city uh, powers that be in Birmingham. What do you think the e- economic impact was for the city of Birmingham for not having those hotel rooms filled and restaurants filled with patrons of the SWAC tournament? Well, our impact to Birmingham is a little over a million dollars for that basketball tournament. So, you know, that's going to be significant. But they also had the Division Two Women's Championship here, and they also had the Indoor Track Championship here. So they actually had three entities here with championships and all had to cancel. So not just Birmingham, you know, every in and everybody. Devin, there was always a shortage of charter airlines in the month of March because of everything that's going on. They shut down. You know, you hear about the arena workers, they're shut down. But what about the Uber drivers, right, the restaurant owners, the the barbershops? I mean, it just goes on and on. So the economic impact that we brought, you know, is over a million dollars. But just think about the ancillary economic impact of all of those people that are going to be out that, had additional things going on because there was a basketball tournament. Because, again, we're just talking about the people we bring. We we had a, a social gathering that we sold out. When I say sold out, we had RSVP. We had all of those RSVPs done day one. We were trying to uh, expand and find a bigger venue. Those were all local Birmingham people. You know, all of those types of events where local people came out. I mean, it's it's – you know, my biggest fear is the economy. I mean, the stock market has already reduced to recession numbers, but we haven't even gotten the numbers back from the economic hit. You know, it takes time to calculate those numbers. There's a lot of uh, people that are out of jobs, and this is going to be a tough economic hit. So right now it's just stock market, but where do we look at the end of the quarter when the numbers come out and the stock market reacts to that? You know, when people are out of work, it's tough. So we went from being a robust economy to this virus shutting us down. And I just hope that we have the infrastructure for it not to, you know, send us into a recession. That's how significant this is. Yeah, it's, it's really uncharted waters, and you can't state that enough. want to ask you about uh, the uh, the NCAA the meetings about the tournament because I know that they floated the idea of having a, a 16 team tournament that was squashed. And then I heard this where they talked a little bit about uh, maybe coming out with the brackets. And, and I, my only thought was they're probably doing this because a lot of coaches have bonuses based on and whether or not they make it to the tournament. Is that something that's going to happen? Is that just, was that something just discussed? We discussed it because there were several coaches out there that floated that. So that was coaches trying to put, you know, that out to say, well, we would at least like to know if we were in the tournament. But it's impossible to bracket when you don't finish your tournament. So when you look at all of the analysis and all that we do, there are a lot of teams that were on the bubble that, you know, an extra game here or an extra game there makes that determination. Right, so it's impossible to put out a bracket when you don't have all of the teams. So you could say, "Well, put a bracket out as of today," but that's not how the process works. The process works based upon those comparisons. 
and those statistical comparisons. So, you know, there are some teams that were automatically in. There's no argument that Kansas is in the tournament, right? The mm-hmm. argument for Kansas is are we are number one, overall number one, overall number two, overall number three, overall number four. But there are several other teams, 30 or so, that we're looking at trying to determine whether they're going to make it or not. So if you win your tournament, if you make it in your tournament, is that going to be enough to get you through? Is that going to be enough to keep you out? It's just impossible. We talked about that when the visual said bracket. It's impossible to bracket and bracket correctly without tournaments being finished. From our standpoint, that conversation wasn't a long conversation because being in the room and going through the process, it could not be done efficiently and effectively. And it was going to be so flawed to where it would cause more conversations about why did you do this than putting it out. It would have it would have done more harm, in my opinion, than any benefit because it would have been a flawed process from the start. Now, I want to ask you about the other spring sports. The NCAA, I, I guess they are working out the for the seniors in the spring sports to get an exemption to return. Is that finalized? And there are several sort of questions that I, I, I can follow up with as it pertains to that. But is that something that is definitely going to happen? No, it's not finalized, uh, but it is a proposal that's out there. And I've been, I've done about six or seven interviews, and I've said this in all of those interviews. Uh, I am positive that the NCAA will lean towards the most lenient policy for the student-athletes as possible. So it is not final, it is not definite, but I feel pretty confident that the NCAA will grant those. All that I'm hearing on the inside is that they will grant it. Uh, what it looks like, Devin, is too early. I think you have to take, you got to get to step one before you get to step two. Step one is granting it. Step two is talking about scholarships, uh, things of that nature. But they have to get to step one first. And they're moving pretty rapidly, especially for an uh, entity that involves so many people. And just keep in mind, when you talk about the NCAA, and I've been highly critical of the NCAA, especially being a Texas Southern. You know, every time I went to the NCAA, it wasn't good, Devin. It was either for <laughs> an hearing or an infraction hearing, right? So I said in my life, there were two places that I said I would never go to. It was Indianapolis and Birmingham, and look at me now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've been, again, being on the inside, you're not just talking about Division One. You're talking about Division Two and talking about Division Three. So as you move across this landscape, you're talking about a half a million student athletes, all with varying interests. You hear more about Power Five, but there's so many different varying interests in this. So you have to get all of those people together. You have to discuss all of the pros and cons. I'll give you another example. I know I'm getting somewhat off topic. You mentioned the 16 team tournament, right? Mm -hmm. That would have excluded 80%, maybe even 90% of all of the student athletes and teams that work hard to get to this point. So if you're talking about the top 16, you're really talking about a power five tournament plus a team like Dayton or a team like San Diego State. Everybody else would have come from those power five conferences, right? right? That's that's not what the NCAA is all about. So when they start making these decisions, they have to make them for all. And I'm saying that it's going to take some time, but they're making them for all. But I guarantee you that decision is going to be for the student athletes. So if I had to guess, uh, I would guess with all certainty 
that those spring sports will get the eligibility back, but we got to allow them to get together, talk about it, and work it out for all membership, not just a few. And that will exclude, obviously, basketball because their regular season was completed. So the seniors in college basketball, they probably will not get the exemption. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Yeah. Again, I don't know. I cannot say uh, with all certainty. But basketball had completed their season. Uh, when you add the number of basketball teams that were playing in their tournament and had already played and already been put out, the numbers that were remaining were small. Uh, the majority of them had already completed their season. I just can't foresee granting an entire year of basketball eligibility back because you missed one game, possibly two. So, you know, you're talking teams advancing to the NCAA. That's what, five or six games, maybe? They might have opportunity to advance, and that's so few teams. 90, and I know I'm throwing out a lot of percentages, but 99% of the teams would have been done with basketball this time next week. I just don't foresee them giving all of them a year back. It, you know, it, it kind of goes against what what it, it the intent is for them give, granting that additional year back. So I do, if I had to guess, I would say no to basketball. And they were pretty clear about the correspondence. They didn't say winter sports. Basketball is a winter sport. They said spring sports. So you're talking baseballs, track, uh, softball. Let me ask you this, and heavy is the head that wears the crown, because you have to think of all these business interests. But you're also a father who have kid, who has sons playing basketball. Uh, how difficult is that for you as a father, just sort of uh, disregarding your responsibilities as Commissioner Swag? But just as a father, how do you talk to your boys about it, and, and how tough was that for you as a father? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. As I'm sitting in the room, as I'm conducting conference calls, as I'm talking to the 10 institutions, I'm getting text messages from my two sons. One in Houston at Texas Southern getting ready to board a plane to go to Birmingham. One on a bus driving to Birmingham asking me, Daddy, what are we going to do? They want some inside information, huh? <laughs> right, yeah. And I can't respond because, one, I'm on this call, but, two, I have the information. And, see, Keep in mind, a lot of there was some criticisms about NCAA and what we were going to do. We knew early on, even as the Big Ten and the ACC and the SEC started to cancel their tournament, we were having conversations, and we as a committee voted the recommendation to cancel the NCAA tournament. So as people were canceling their basketball conference tournament, we were talking about NCAA tournament. So – my sons are asking me questions about their tournament because in their mind, they're getting ready to miss an opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. And I'm knowing you're not going to the NCAA tournament. Our, our tournament is minuscule compared to what's getting ready to come out, right? Nobody's going to finish their tournament and nobody's going to the NCAA. But to listen to the stories that they told, for example, my son Ashton is driving now from Houston to Birmingham. He did not want to leave because he wanted that extra time with his teammates. My, my oldest son, Kanan, obviously was at Texas Southern. Now he is at Jackson State. He said they had an emotional exchange in the locker room because it came to an abrupt end. Yeah. They're getting on the bus, getting ready to come to Birmingham. 30 minutes later, they're saying their final goodbye. So, you know, it was emotional for them. And, you know, again, he comes to the house. He spent the night last night this morning. He was like, Daddy, I don't know what to do. He said, 
I don't have any purpose in life. I don't have any workout. You know, I don't have the games to look forward to. What am I supposed to do? And I said, son, you know, again, I've, I've, I've hit all of the pills and the alcohol, so now let's just have it. <laughs> right? yeah, it actually sounded like if you was listening to him, he was ready to jump off the roof. Yeah. And that, I think that's where we all are. It happened so fast. It happened so quickly. And how do you say goodbye to friends, especially if you're a senior, right? How do you say goodbye to your friends? You can't even come back to school and get that. In a matter of 48 hours, you went from getting ready to go to the tournament and all of these teams think that they can win the SWAC championship and go to the NCAA. You went from that to, I'm not going to see you ever again until the reunion from 10 years from now, right? That's, 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 that's staggering, right. staggering stuff, yeah. Because they'll be resuming classes online for most of these universities right. yeah, for the rest of the semester. So, yeah. Right. And then, you know, it's always what could have been. Because, again, you're talking about Texas Southern. and You're feeling pretty good about yourself. You win the quarterfinal and you're sort of rounding in a shape. You're thinking, okay, yeah, we can do this. And uh, only right. to be robbed of the opportunity. And not knowing is, is so much worse than, than going and actually losing the game. Yeah, and coming into the tournament, you don't make the semifinals unless you're playing well, right? So all four are coming in on the men and women's side thinking that they have a legitimate championship. And let's just talk about SWAT basketball this year. Everybody beat everybody. <laughs> so what does that mean? The tournament was wide open. The number one seed wasn't safe as well as the number four seed. Jackson could have won it just as easy as Texas Southern, as just as easy as purview on the men's side, just as easy as Southern. I think if you're on the outside looking in, you could flip a coin. You know, as I run it, we have conference monitoring calls. So when I'm in the committee room, when they talk about SWAC, I got to leave the room. But throughout the course of the year, we have a primary person that looks at the SWAC and a secondary person, and they do conference calls. And our last conference call leading into the us going to New York was – put all four of them in a bag or put all eight of them in a bag and pull one out. That's who's going to win, right? Purview won regular season, lost their last two games. So you can't tell me that Purview is a lot for the term. Purview might say that. We won it. We just – but this was going to be one of the most exciting tournaments that we had. I, Devin, as a fan, would have paid to see the women's basketball championship. Right. Yeah, I mean Nia Mitchell I mean, and Asiani Cryer, and they are playing well for Texas. I mean, it, it was wide open. Right. It really was. It, it was wide open. You're talking about Jackson State that is probably playing the best women's basketball that I've seen Jackson State play ever. Cynthia Cooper, one of the best coaches that I've ever seen. If you're close, I give the nod to Texas Southern. Cynthia is going to pull something out of the hat, right? You talk about Southern University trying to defend. They had to win some games at the end, really, to elevate themselves. And I tell you, I've seen Alabama A&M girls play. They should have beat Texas Southern at Texas Southern. It only was because Cynthia pulled a couple of rabbits out of the hat there late that they won that basketball game. And I, I actually have. called that game. Uh, right. had the, I, I right. sat in for Chatterbox, and they what, it was a 21-9 run in the fourth quarter to come back and win that game. Correct. So you're talking about a tournament from from start to finish, from the women's team to the men's team, that in my opinion was going to be the best tournament. That's lightning in the bottle that you won't even be able to get back. And let's, 
let's lighten it up some. Let's talk about Snacks there at Jackson State. He went from <laughs> nobody knowing who Snacks was to getting advertisement for commercials for the NCAA tournament, and then the coronavirus comes, and all of that's taken away. He went from being like, he introduced Joe Biden, and we're not talking about Joe Biden, the presidential candidate. We're talking about Joe Biden, the official vice president of the United States. Snacks is introducing Joe Biden at a political rally in Jackson, Mississippi. That's the power of athletics, and the coronavirus just took all of that away. I mean, it just stopped everything. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, and uh, I guess this is going to be an ongoing story. Um, before I get to uh, let you get out of here, I uh, want to ask about the community of Birmingham and what is uh, how many cases do you guys have in that general area? Uh, what uh, the state of Alabama? How are you guys faring so far with the coronavirus? Yeah, right now, I think that there's one case in the entire state, but I think part of that comes back to testing. I think uh, the testing mechanisms were not quite uh, up to speed. So I imagine there will be more cases uh, popping up in Birmingham. But when you look at it, the larger cities with a lot of travel will probably have more cases than a city the size of Birmingham. I got out today. Everybody in Birmingham is doing what they're doing nationwide. Everybody's stacking up on supplies. I still don't get you know, why you can't get any toilet tissue. I listened to you <laughs> earlier uh, on your radio show. I'm not quite sure why toilet tissue is something that everybody wants. Uh, but <laughs> or, or water. Is not, yeah, or water, right. Yeah. Maybe they think the, the virus is going to get in the water and you can't drink know. the water. I don't But it's uh, – Birmingham has started to implement what everybody else is doing. They put an advisory out, state of emergency. The state is under state of emergency now. Birmingham school, city schools are going to stop next week. They're going to extend. I think they've already extended it two, three, two or three months. I'm not quite sure. Uh, excuse me, two or three weeks of uh, students not going to school. So I think Birmingham is doing what everybody else is doing, trying to do some social distancing. I ask my office staff, we're going to work from home at least into the next uh, three or four days, and we'll probably do a modified work, and I think other people are doing that as well. But more importantly, Devin, you know, people are having to, you know, shelter in place, hunker down, but if you hunker down too much, you're not spending money, right? If you're not spending money, the economy tanks, so... Yeah, and that's no, the mixed messages Sylvester Turner, the mayor of Houston, sends out. So, well, hey, just, you know, go to restaurants and go eat. Well, a couple things. A lot of people aren't working. A lot of people are uncertain about right. their economic future. And then, again, right. people have that, that anxiety about social distancing. Right. So it's a balancing right. act because you don't want these businesses to go under. And you know, and then right. a couple of weeks can do that. A month can do that for a lot of businesses. Absolutely. And, you know, again, it's unprecedented. And I think that's why strong governmental leadership. I know the mayor here, Mayor Woodfin, has already initiated an initiative to help small businesses with loans with zero APR paying back. And, you know, we have a young mayor, but I've been thoroughly impressed with his maturity and his ability to be able to lead a city. Uh, and I think that type of leadership, you know, is paramount. So take care of your people. And if you take care of your people, your people will take care of you. So. Uh, we're we're going to get through it, Devin. 
you're going to have a lot to talk about. We'll make it up as a matter of fact. Uh, I'm going to go to Walmart and buy a gold. What we'll do, we'll film me, Canaan, and Ash and playing, and we'll send it. I'll you do the play-by-play. Play. <laughs> 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 well, you, what I'm doing, I'm starting the Devin Wade book club. If Oprah can do there it, so can I. <laughs> there you go. We'll take that, too. Hey, we'll, we'll take that too. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time in a very, very difficult time. Uh, and I mean, for, for everybody, but again, you're responsible for so many things that are important to so many people. So I know it's a difficult time. Uh, but I, again, you made the, I mean, you made the prudent decision, the only thing that you could do. Because again, overreacting, it, it, it's only that because you don't know what the outcome, the alternate al- outcome would have been had you not acted in that fashion. So we certainly appreciate your time and continued success and we look forward to talking to you when these things uh, start to come to life again and we know what's going to happen moving forward. Well, I appreciate that, Devin, and I can tell you don't ever underestimate the ability and the power of being in the room. I tell you, our decision-making process was strong and it was fast only because we had information that everybody else had. And if you're not in the room, it's difficult to get that information. You're in a reactor reaction it's very uh, slow when you're not in the room. Uh, and I'm just proud to have the opportunity to be there, especially in this type of circumstance, to make sure that we protect our student-athletes. And I know we have to end the podcast, but can you imagine how those student-athletes felt? My son is on the bus, yeah. and he gets to turn around. But can you imagine being on the floor warming up, and they tell you to sit down, or there's a postponement? Yeah, and, and then I want to say it was the Big East had that right. one half underway. They were right. at halftime. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how that feels? I mean, it's one thing to be on the bus. It's another to be playing or warming up to play. And you got to go into the locker room and say it's over with. You know? yeah, heartbreaking so, stuff. Yeah, being in the room helped us. And obviously being uh, where our tournament started that Friday helped us. But we're going to make sure that we stay true and diligent. We're going to make sure that the SWAC stays strong. And we're going to make sure that we do things the correct way. And just want to thank you and people like you. The black sports media is extremely important. This is how we get our word out. This is how we get our message out. So keep doing what you're doing. And I promise you I'll always be a friend of your show because this is the way that we get our message out to our population. Hey, well, thank you so much. And uh, the thoughts and prayers that you, your family, uh, the boys, hey, send my regards to the fellas because I know it's t- a tough time for the young men. Like I said, I appreciate the time, and we look forward to, to brighter days uh, in the not-so-distant future. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your show, Devin. Hey, thank you. Dr. Charles McClellan with a very, very interesting conversation where we had an opportunity to really learn about what went on in the room in the NCAA. And like you said, just being in a room is a big, big deal. But the perspective of just when just wrap your mind around that the kids go from on their way to a swag tournament trying to get some national attention and just play in the biggest games of their lives. And then you go from that feeling and that anticipation and those nerves to literally 30 minutes later having to say goodbye to your teammates of several years. And when you think about that, I mean, you think about all of the the victims involved with uh, suffering from this. And, and again, you put that in perspective because the real victims are the folks that are dying and that are really, really ill. But the collateral damage from all of these steps that are necessary steps are things like that. And you just it just it's heartbreaking because I know for me, anybody that participated in sports, 
or, or anything that you love to do and you uh, you have to say goodbye without a proper ending or abruptly you have to say goodbye to people and th again like you said it's not just the basketball component these guys can't see their teammates again because they are, will not be returning to school and some of these guys that are seniors won't be returning back to school at all so i don't i mean it's a lot to think about and it, it's sad it's just one more sad uh, layer to this just ever-growing world tragedy and uh, it's something that we'll keep an eye on we'll have to see what happens uh, for the, as for the other um, participants in spring sports again even some of those folks won't come back if you have a job offer and it's a, a once in a lifetime job offer do you take that or do you come back and play your sport that you loved and probably played your whole life even if it means you're not necessarily going to go to the pros maybe you won't ever go pro in this but at the same time it is something you played and have done your whole life and this will be the last time you ever do it do you come back or do you take the gig i mean a lot of folks will have some tough decisions and then the ncaa has to flush all of this out but thanks so much to him for that conversation but with that it's time for the lamont award i don't want to wish you no bad luck but i hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you you big dummy the Lamont Award usually goes to the person, team, sports personality, anybody in and around the world of sports that we deem to be the Lamont of the episode. And Lamont was a big dummy. So uh, no sports. Now, you could give it to Rudy Gobert, but, but I will say this about Rudy Gobert. He's just a young kid that was just doing something stupid, he, young and invincible. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, Rudy Gobert, who a couple of days before he was diagnosed with the coronavirus, ended a press conference, which at this point, the NBA had decided that the locker rooms were closed and that you could only interview guys from a distance in an interview room. And so what he did was he put his hands, as he left the press conference, he put his hands all over the microphones of the media members who were there. Now, to my knowledge, I don't think any of them got sick, but he did get his teammates sick, and there were reports that the teammates were pissed off with him. But he, he didn't mean to do it. I mean, that was just a young dumb thing to do and i think that as long as everybody recovers it's just it'll be lost in i mean it'll he'll always be a footnote in nba history no doubt about that but yeah that was just an unfortunate break so he's, he's a big dummy don't doubt about it he's been beat up enough i don't have to we don't have to beat up on him instead i'm going to give the lamont award to all the people who at the grocery store buying water and toilet paper and, and even beyond that, last night, 11 o'clock at night, I went to the grocery store after I got off the air. And I was looking for, I was trying to get a baguette. I want just a bread. Not not anything fancy. I didn't want water. Didn't want uh, hand sanitizer, soap, have all those things. Not worried. Although, I will say this. I started joking online about people have, you know, buying up all this toilet paper. And I said, well, let me go check my supply. And so a little low here. We'll, we'll ride this thing out. We'll see how we do for a while. But it's a one-ply situation over here. And counting, <laughs> we're counting sheets at this point. So, uh, But nonetheless, when, and people are buying meat. Like, what do you guys think is going to happen? I mean, you watch too many movies. 
and you, if you listen to the grocery stores, they say the suppliers are, are providing food and water, and it, look, eggs were gone, milk was gone. What do you think is going to happen? Now we've been in a situation here in Houston where we didn't have water for days after a hurricane. Now that's a different story. This is not that. Water has never stopped running. We have water. Now, if some people are afraid to drink the water, you're going to wait till now to be afraid to drink the water? Like now? <laughs> Not before? So I think when, and then you have people in there buying meat that you know they don't know how to cook. Look, you know you can't cook a pork shoulder. You know you don't know what you're doing. You're just buying that because that was the last thing there. And I blame the media. The media is awful because they started by showing lines out of the grocery store. What does showing lines out of a grocery store do? Creates more lines out of a grocery store. See, they started with Costco. So let me tell you, if you're at Costco, you're trying to spend three or $400. You you have that. Most families don't don't have it like that, where they can just every week they can go spend three or four hundred dollars at the grocery store at the drop of a hat. And so they weren't pressed. But if you go, if you show Costco, I guarantee you, if they would have started at, in in the hood or just in a in a middle class neighborhood, there was no rush on supplies. But you show Costco where a lot of snowflakey type people who just they're afraid of everything they load up they live in their gated communities and they hide behind everything <laughs> they line up and rush to costco so what does that do that creates more of a, a frenzy and hysteria so i think that the media in a lot of ways created that why are people buying water when water are you not going to take a shower you're going to shower with that bottle of water i don't know but for you guys to buy all of that chicken and all those roasts and all of the eggs and milk and all this other stuff that you don't have to buy because it's not running out. You are all big dummies. You big dummy. <laughs> now, if next week <laughs> this there's no eggs, no toilet paper, <laughs> I may be the big dummy. But for now, I'm giving the big dummy to all those people who are just panicking. Come on, y'all. We have to we have to be responsible. And what about people who really need those things and can't get them because you have you know eight cases of water, or you have three cases of toilet paper for a two person home? I mean, what what about people who are really in need who really can't get these things now? Now the grocery stores are closing early. This this is the kind of stupidity that really it leads to more problems than solutions. So in, in a lot of these same people who will buy eight cases of water, will go out and socialize and won't, <laughs> won't quarantine themselves or, or separate themselves from society in a social, you know, in a social setting. I, I mean, so it's frustrating and I just hope people calm down and I hope that people relax Take a deep breath. Let's do what we need to do. And life will proceed. I guarantee it will. Oh, I can't guarantee. But I think it will. I think we'll be fine. With that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, man, I have a number of things we want to get to in the next, uh, I guess, few weeks at least. And, and none of that will be a lot of sports, I don't guess. We'll have to see what we can come up with, and I'll take your suggestions at 832-941-6614. Hit me up on Facebook. Who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to talk about? We'll try to work in some very interesting shows 
on the Not Just Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast or for the foreseeable future. So want to thank my DJ, DJ Anarchy, Cobank Holmes. Want to thank Dr. Charles McClellan. Want to thank all the wonderful phone callers. Robert Kelly, uh, Elwin Henderson, Pernell Harvey, J.M. Keith, thank you so much for calling. And, of course, E.L. checking in as well. Call us anytime. And, as always, have a nice day. And remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. (laughs) This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember... You can follow him on Twitter at Waysword. Thank you for listening. Check it out, you got me as my rocks. Your black hair and your fat ass style. Street poetry is my everyday. Gotta stop when you drop my way. If I was working at the show, you would not pick. Hey, yo, my man, fight Biggie, he got something to say. So, I like him brown, you Puerto Rican, I hate you. Demons fight for us from the Zulu Nation. So you're in the jam, that we can get down. Now that's not the boost, like the Blue H Town. You got BB all on your bedroom wall. But I'm above the rim, and this is how I fall. A gritty little something on the New York street. This is how I represent all of this here beat. Talking about you. Yo, I took you out. But something's on my mind for the whole damn rap. My mind was in a fuzzy and a horny stick. But I couldn't drop down. Never ever a mice. Shorty, let me tell you about my only vice. It has to keep a lot of love in it.